Hello, and welcome to the Steve Barkley Ponders Out Loud podcast. Instructional coaches and leaders create the environment that supports teachers to continually imagine, grow, and achieve. They model an excitement for learning that teachers in turn model for students. This podcast is dedicated to promoting the important aspects of instructional leadership. Thanks for listening. I'm thrilled you're here. A gratitude-based approach to problem solving. Joining the podcast today is Adam Fishman, the founder of Honora, an organization, as its website says, is focused on doing something about climate change. I was following Adam's work at Honora as a friend, and during the pandemic, I read a piece that he had written about the concept of leading from a place of love rather than a place of fear. And as soon as I read it, I made the connection to the coaching that I was doing at that time with educators as they were starting to open schools for students' live attendance. And I began suggesting to them that they should be focused on the excitement of being with their students and the power of the future rather than the constant fear of, uh, of what was being labeled as, uh, as, as learning loss. So Adam's words there really hung with me. And as I continued to learn more about the work that Adam was doing, I, I heard about some programs that he started with students. And so I wanted to invite him to, uh, to share his, uh, his thinking with us uh, here on the podcast. And I'm excited to say that he's here. So uh, welcome, Adam. Thank you, Steve. It is the ripple effects of life are pretty awesome to be here. I mean, my wife's mom, you coached her when she was in schools. And then you, you coached my wife when looking for a job. And then we got to go visit you. And you, you actually planted a seed of how could we think about education differently? And even how history classes could be taught differently. And it, I think that was maybe percolating in the back of my mind. And as this climate environmental journey I've been having has been going on, very unexpectedly, students entered the picture. I was never called part of the plan from the beginning. But as we'll get into, this continues to be full of surprises when we're kind of just leading with gratitude and curiosity and, and leading with that love. Start by telling people a little bit uh, about Anora and, and what you're doing there. Yeah. So Onora started as a carbon offsetting eco restoration company. I had actually used to not care about climate, environment, anything before. I will be the first to tell you about that. I even took a climate change class at Dartmouth and where I did my undergrad. And at an intellectual level, I understood things, but nothing in my gut that I like really cared about. After that, I did market research and strategy consulting, and I had left that job to start a business. Again, nothing related to climate. And I watched this video of a 15-year-old Greta Thunberg giving a speech to the British government about the state of the planet. And I'm reading about 1.5 degrees, irreversible chain reactions, and it stopped me in my tracks. Like For whatever reason, it hit me in my gut, and I, I had two reactions. One was my marketing strategy mind of, why am I just now caring about this? Like, why didn't I care about this 25 years earlier? And the second was, all right, I've woken up to this. Let's say everyone's woken up to this. What can I do? 
because it felt like I could not use plastic straws. I could protest or wait four years to vote, assuming that I was old enough to vote. And none of those seemed they were going to have the impact they, they needed to in the time scale. And so we started what was initially this one-stop shop of, for people asking that question, what can I do? I started diving into the systems and the research and realized that all the solutions, everything is out there, but how do people see how connected everything is and how you can, how you can do your part? And I discovered this mechanism. I had learned about this mechanism of carbon removal from the atmosphere. And I was like, this is the saving grace. You're telling me you can just pay for carbon to be removed from the atmosphere and everything's like, everything's great. And so we initially created this company that was, you learn your climate impact, you learn how much carbon you're putting in the atmosphere, and then you can pay to remove that from the atmosphere. And I spent a year, every single day in this fight or flight mode, just build, 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 get this out there. Every day was like a debilitating anxiety of like, this needs to be out there. Because once this is out there, everything changes. And we pressed live on our private beta. And uh, one of my dear friends, during the market research interviews I was doing from, from the people participating, he said, it's amazing how you've channeled this energy and you've somehow learned how to tell stories because I used to not be the best storyteller. And he said, it's very clear, though, you're leading with fear. Like the whole website was 1.5 degrees, irreversible chain reactions, but you can do your part. And I was like, okay. And so we talked for like three hours. And at the end of it, he just asked me, imagine what would happen if you led it from a place of love rather than fear. And within the next five minutes, everything changed. So at the time I had a pretty debilitating relationship with, with carbon and food, climate and food, everything was, you eat this, you don't eat that. Cause this is good. This is bad. And I would just imagine all the carbon associated with food and it, it was not good. But right after that conversation, I went to the fridge and this is how simple it was, but how profound it was. I grabbed a carton of blueberries and for the first time in a year, my internal dialogue was different. So instead of spiraling and going down the path of visualizing carbon trails and all the oil it took to make the plastic carton. I had this leading with love on my subconscious and was like, I wish I could thank everyone and everything that went into making these possible. Like these are delicious. I wish I could thank the farmer. I wish I could thank the grocer. I wish I could thank everyone, everything. And I was like, Whoa, that was a huge relief, but also what what's happening here. And the more I sat with it, realized rather than running away from carbon, running away from this fear, I was running toward deeper connection. And by running toward more connection, yeah, we're going to alleviate my carbon concern, but we're also going to get closer to the farmers to be able to thank them and not have this transaction of food. What about the way the food is grown and how the soil is treated? What about how people are paid? All these other things that I were taught were, were other problems, right? There was environment, climate, pay, equity, they were all different problems. But as I sat with it, I was like, what if I've been calling carbon this problem? What if it's been a symptom this whole time? A symptom of, of a core problem of disconnection, that I'm deeply disconnected from the things that I love and enjoy in this world. And by running toward deeper connection, we're going to alleviate a lot of those symptoms, but, it, but it's, a, it's a radical shift in the mindset. And so that rocked my foundation because we had literally just spent a whole year building this startup and we're like getting ready to, to, to put this out there. And I spent the next couple of months 
just sitting with it. Cause at the same time, by the way, this was happening just to contact, like, when is this happening? This leading with love happened right as COVID starting and the messaging of do your part for this not existential threat of climate, but this in your face thing of COVID and then everything with George Floyd is unfolding in the United States at the same time. And so this like confluence of all these things happening and it just like felt like a game of whack-a-mole. And I was like, what are you doing here? Honestly, it was a, the clarity of leading with love was an amazing aha. But then I was in a really dark place because I was like, how do you move through the world this way? There's so much going on. And what my friend who asked leading with love, he asked another question. He said, what's a positive story that would empower you? And what got me out of bed on the days that were really tough was how do you create a positive ripple effect? How do you help someone feel more seen, heard, valued, loved, and appreciated? And it was literally going out and connecting with someone, anyone, and having a conversation. And, and rather than trying to do less harm, because we're not in a race to see who can, who can do the least harm possible, just by the sake of us existing, how are we creating as many positive ripple effects as possible? And so we started to shift with Onora from this carbon reduction, do, do less bad, because that's what good is, to almost this learning, this consciousness platform of how are we helping people become more aware of how deeply connected we all are, become more aware of the ripple effects we're creating, and learn how we can build on that positive. And, it, and yeah. it's such a strong connection to the educator with kids. And if you take it to a lot of the listeners to this podcast are working as coaches in schools mm-hmm. with, with teachers, um, yeah. it, 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 it's the same thing that the, the difference between a person getting connected with the people that they're coaching, getting connected and understanding kids, getting stronger relationships with parents and community. And we're going to grow this whole thing instead of running away from what's scaring people about, about, uh, about test scores and uh, 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 political differences and all the other things that have us as educators frequently scared. It's the simplest thing, but the hardest thing of how do you just connecting? Like if the purpose is connecting and getting more deeply connected and having that be the entry point for coaching or for facilitating classrooms or for coaching a sports team or for leading a club, it changes everything if the game has changed. Like if we're reframing what is the question we're trying to answer, it creates this whole pathway of possibility that that wasn't there. Very cool. Yeah. So d- d- jump us to, to the connection you made with students then. Yeah, yeah. So unexpected and again, all unexpected. So we went live and a bunch of people started reaching out because now this climate platform is about healing the planet and connection and and it's a very different tune, let's put it that way, to the, the fear-based narrative. And people started reaching out, asking how they could help. And one person was a, a teacher who, it was winter break, and she was moving. And she was like, how can I help? And I had no idea how to help. But I just said, let's just talk, and we'll see what comes up. And with my market research background, I was like, you know what? It would be amazing if you went and not just shared Onora with friends and family, but what if you actually had a conversation with them? I could provide you some questions and then we can connect to talk about what came about. Like this is an excuse for you to connect with the people you love about something you care about. 
And then let's talk about how we can improve our startup's positioning and platform to, to help make this speak to more people. And she did that. And we just got to talking and it was like, who else could use this healing, use this opportunity to get more connected and be part of who do we want to like be part of co-creating this thing? And it was like students, how can we provide this opportunity to students? And so we created this fellowship program where students, I would essentially teach them market research skills. They'd get to connect with other students and we would co-create kind of do these brainstorming sessions on how can we improve our startup to get out to more people. And we asked a question to the students each time though, which was, you know, you're not some means to an end. We got in all this mess because everyone's treated as some means to an end just to get me what I want. And so, yes, you're helping Onora. Yes, you're helping the planet, but this needs to be intrinsically fulfilling for you. This needs to light you up and be breathing life into your life. You get one life. And so we just kept saying, what can we do? How just kept honestly checking in. And so the first fellowship was one and a half weeks. And they said, we want to actually connect with more students. We did it a four week program. And then they're like, we don't want to just connect with adults. We want to connect with peers. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. And then it's like, well, we want to learn how to do a project. How do we take these skills and apply this to a project in our community? And that's when, when things got very, very interesting because I was still trained from a problem solving innovation standpoint. I was still trained in this look for the problems, almost like fear-based model of, of problem solving. So it got really interesting because we had asked the students to come up with all the different problems in their community. And this is a group of students all over the world who the, the common interest is there's, there's an anxiety, a fear, a state of the planet that worries them and they want to do something about it. And so we're, Ask them like, all right, what are problems in your local community? Let's just get them all out there and then we'll brainstorm ideas and then we'll filter through our values and, and do some meditation, some self-listening and discover like, where do we want to apply ourselves? And the most unexpected thing happened was that not a single student could identify a problem in their community. Hmm. Nothing. It perplexed me quite a bit. <laughs> they knew what's in the news and TV, but didn't yeah. localize it. At a bit, at a macro level, they're like, all this bad stuff is happening. But when I'm all right, let's look what's going on here. All was good in the neighborhood. I I, I just I have to make a connection for you. Yes. St- studies that have been done year after year after year after year. They interview the public about the condition of public schools, and they get mm-hmm. a very low score. And then they ask people about the school their kid goes to, and it gets a high score. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's 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 always been one that is is a toss up in the air that people have this picture that all these problems are, are out there and yeah. they don't make that personalized connection. Let's tie back to that too that theme of the outer versus the inner. And so let's just I want to make sure we don't lose that. But so yeah, where what ended up happening was it just didn't feel right. There was a laundry list of things that I could have asked about and say, what about this? What about that? What about that? And it, and it didn't feel right to essentially ask the kids to start looking for a fight, to look for something to get pissed off about, to, to start to look for all the holes in the world. Cause then that's all they'll ever see It's just holes everywhere. So we said, let's take a page out of our own book, take a dose of our own medicine. And what would happen if we led with love instead of fear, this has become kind of our guiding philosophy for all of our programs. And so we said, all right, let's not go down that path of problems. Let's just look at what exists in our schools. You have cafeterias, you have food there. You've got heat in the winter, air conditioning in the summer. You have green spaces. You have trash cans everywhere. 
what is the positive impact and positive ripple effects happening because of what exists? Regardless of what it takes to make all that stuff happen, regardless of what might be behind the scenes, what's the positive impact and positive ripple effects happening? And so we, we just put out some reflective prompts and one of the students was making the connection that the fact that they have trash cans at their school is helping them make friends and get into college. So I have a clean camp, the trash cans are there. So I have a clean campus and it feels awesome. All right. So what's the ripple effects of that? Well, I'm able to actually like enjoy hanging out with friends more and, and have more focus. Okay. So, but then what happens? And there, we go down that path of what are the ripple effects? And it's starting to bring this awareness, this consciousness of like everything is creating ripple effects, good, bad, whatever you want to call it. Like, this computer that we're on right now, we're, we're getting to connect around the world. There's an abundance of positive ripple effects because this thing exists. Yes, we can go down the path of, well, what did it take to make this? What materials were sourced? All that. But just there is a state of goodness in everything. And so we started with that and we were like, whoa. All right. So our objective is to create a project, though. How do we, how do we create a project with this? We've just started shifting our mindset. And we said, all right, let's continue down this path. What if we thanked the people responsible for this goodness? People that probably don't ever get thanked and provided that positive feedback loop, like the feedback loops that exist all over in nature. We provided that feedback loop and asked questions and said, you know, thank you. What does it even take to make all this happen? I'm so curious. What is it like? What do you love about it? What do you wish was even better? Are you aware of anywhere out there that's doing things that are just like awesome we can learn from? And that was the entry point to designing their projects. And we're like, whoa, th this, is, this is very different. And this gratitude-based approach, we, we started to call gratitude-based learning and innovation. And we've since been putting it into practice a number of different ways. But I, I do want to just share something before getting into examples and stuff like that. You know, my own worries, like even before coming on this podcast with you, I had shared with a colleague like that I was worried that like this mindset shift wasn't enough that like just this mindset shift of this gratitude based approach wasn't enough that like would have to get more concrete of well here are the examples and here's the frameworks that we're putting this into practice with here's the consulting approaches that we're using with companies and all this get it more concrete and I texted my friend and that that planted that seed of why it of what would happen if you led with love instead of fear and I shared that and I kid you not, within milliseconds, I got a text from a student out of the blue who I hadn't talked with in ages. And I'm just going to read what the text said, like within milliseconds. Adam, I'd love for you to write me a college recommendation. I think you've done a lot for me with changing my mentality on sustainability. And I've impacted our club a lot with my input. And I was like, all right, maybe that's the message I need to hear because maybe the mindset isn't this small thing after all. Like maybe... Maybe in order to create this more beautiful world on this outside, all the things that we want to create out there, maybe it first starts by creating that more beautiful world on the inside and reframing the way that we're, we're sitting with things internally. And so before we get into examples and all these different ways of like, how do we put this into practice, that internal mindset shift is not such a simple thing. There's a ton of writing in the last 10 years anyway about the power of gratitude. So the idea that it, you got students focused on gratitude and the quote payoff for that is coming back to what the, what the student is finding and discovering that, that just makes total, total sense as I listen to it. The cool unexpected thing that 
was taught to me like last week actually was I'm, I'm also in a part-time MBA program right now. And one of my professors, Scott Taylor, who's one of the most amazing like facilitators. I've, it's just amazing. Um, the classes on leadership and he had shared basically that in his PhD, they did fMRI studies on asking different types of questions. And when you ask different types of questions, more or less when you ask the, the gratitude, curiosity, the things that open you up, it activates a different part of your brain, the empathetic, the curious, the connective part of your brain. But when you ask the analytical, problem-solving, fear-based stuff, it not only activates the total other part of the brain, but the, fi- the, the key finding was that it, it actually shrinks the activity in that empathetic, connective, curious part of the brain. And so having that context of like what's happening in the brain while this approach is being put into practice, we can get into the examples, but it, it, it makes a lot more sense now. You know, we've just been following this intuitively and just connecting with students and asking for feedback and kind of wandering through the wilderness. But to now to hear the, this abundance of research that's out there that corroborates like what's actually happening, it, it's pretty awesome. Again, I, I've got to make the, the connection for our instructional coaches that listen to this podcast. Coaching from gratitude and curiosity is that's just embedded in, in the powerful difference from somebody who coaches as an expert problem fixer of the person they're coaching. So that that difference of going to a person, you're going to tell me your problem, and as your coach, I'm going to fix it. Versus as a coach, I'm going to enter into a relationship with you with with uh, gratitude for everything you're doing and f- with curiosity, expecting that you and I are going to learn together coming out of the curiosity piece. It it just matches extremely well. So it feels appropriate to share the the gratitude based framework that's been put into place. That's it's led to actual coaching. Like I do, I do sports coaching and and we put this into sports coaching, but also like executive coaching that I'll do. But yeah, the, for the kids, it's been brought into creating impact clubs, creating innovation classes as part of school curriculum, um, international student collaborations, high school students are actually then taking this and going to elementary schools and they're actually creating their own classes. They're in curriculum. Teachers are designing new project-based curriculum and citizens are actually bringing this to their towns to create more connected citizen communities. And then the students are using this to find jobs and internships. So this gratitude-based discovery process where rather than interviews, actually, we call them curiosity conversations. So rather than you're trying to attract something, it's a game of discovery. And yeah, so, so curiosity conversations that are grounded in gratitude is, is really the, the mechanism for this, this learning process. And so do you remember Chia Pets? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the Chia Pet theme song, the one that goes ch-ch-ch-ch-chia, there's like ceramic pots, the seeds in there. You, the, the key thing, though, is, is you, you water them, and it's fun to do, and it grows crazy fast. So the Chia Pet theme song is actually the frame. It, it, it's the lens of a framework of how we're putting gratitude-based learning into practice. And, and all the examples that I'm sharing are different ways in which this is unfolded. And what the ch-ch-ch-ch-chia stands for, you're going to have to really stretch the Italian here with the acronym. So the, the ch-ch-ch, it's all about connecting. And then C-U-I-A, celebrate, understand, imagine, action. So what can we celebrate? What do we need to better understand? 
what do we imagine for the future and what are some of the action steps we can take? And the way that the, the cha-cha-cha happened at the beginning is it almost felt like toxic positivity when we were like putting this into practice at first because it was like, all right, let's just focus on the positive. Let's, what, what just can we celebrate? And two things happened. We're like, A, it, it feels off. And we're like, well, all the cha-cha-cha is like, that's connecting. If we're not having an authentic conversation around how are we actually feeling right now and creating that space to just, just to be whatever's bubbling up, we're missing something. But then in the celebrate piece, it's not just celebrating the butterflies and unicorns and it's celebrating the friction as well. And seeing that as an opportunity, as a growth edge and, and celebrating when that those opportunities come about. So it's celebrating where we're flowing and what's going great, but also celebrating the friction in this process. And so is that, is that the piece that leads to a positive change then? When the friction comes in the celebration, that's what leads you to creative, creative positive change? These spaces where you're able to create that space for yourself internally, and then whether it's the classroom virtually in person with teamed, those spaces where you can participate in this and sit with that friction in community, that is powerful social, emotional, connective, human healing. A couple, a couple of pictures for uh, people have in their mind as we uh, lead them to, uh, to think about where, where, where they might take their thinking. So sustainability club. Students take this to their club. This club that's already existing, and they want to improve their cafeteria. And the natural instinct is, what are all the problems? The student said, well, let's build on the positive, right? Let's put she into practice. Let's build on the positive. And so they had all the students, rather than brainstorming here, all the things we don't like, they were literally about to go to the cafeteria workers and say, we want to change X, Y, and Z. And like, imagine being the cafeteria worker. That's like, I work very hard on this stuff. So everything I do sucks, right? Good. Glad we're on the same page. So instead, they brainstormed, what are the things we love about it today? What are we grateful for? And they did that reflective exercise on the ripple effects. And then their first meeting was all about connecting. They shared that positive feedback and just they shared that love and asked questions of like, what is it at? Like, what do you wish I better understood about all this? Those people, the, the workers were like in the, in the cafeteria, like this made my year. And that laid the foundation for them to get composting approved at their school and redesign the way that utensils and everything's compostable in the cafeteria now. And the relationship, it's a relationship building process. It's not like they did this one thing now and it's done. It's, it's now this continuous process of improvement, but the relationship is what staying connected. So then that actually, that club, they turn it into an innovation class. So like a full year long class where rather than just focusing on one system at their school, their food system, they divvied up the class into four different working groups. And each of the working groups is focused on impact innovation in, in their school and to discover how do we create this culture of continuous improvement for these systems. And so they have, they're putting Chi into practice where they're looking of like, what can we celebrate about the way things are? What can we celebrate about what else is out there? And what can we imagine of where we'd like to see things go? And so they have these kind of four week discovery research projects and then they have two weeks to take that discovery and be like, all right, here's where we can go on this. And so it's this continuous cycle. Um, and then they're sharing this with the community. 
And so they have these community-wide town halls where they're sharing what they're learning in this process. We then have international student collaboration. So that club and that class, we actually had some of the high school students in our program help develop that curriculum. And one of the students that helped develop the curriculum was actually in one of those classes. And so all the students that are now starting these clubs and all the clubs are grounded in gratitude, curiosity, relationship building, wisdom sharing. We, we get together and we have events where we connect, we celebrate, we understand, imagine, we make plans for action. It makes, it makes planning our meetings very easy. I just look at Chia and it's like, all right, how is this going to flow? But so they get to meet new people, celebrate what's going great and the challenges they're experiencing. They get to ask those authentic questions and have that, that space of what I call microdosing vulnerability, where if we can learn from nature, that, that microdosing of vulnerability leads to resilience. Um, and it's kind of that, that backwards thinking of if you don't share, you'll be stronger. And you'll, but it's actually when you can share in a microdose way, it makes you stronger. And so we create that space. Um, and then they imagine like, what do they hope their clubs can look like in the future? And, and then they ideate action steps together. And we just, we do that every so often. Um, we then had some of those students say, you know what, I'm actually not as interested in doing stuff at my school. Like for whatever reason, it's, it's, I want to go outward. And they're like, all right. So she, she got two of her friends together who had no idea about any of this stuff. And she brought her friends together and went to their old elementary school and designed a class based on these principles for second graders. And the class looked like this. There was two parts to it. One was gratitude-based show and tell. So all the kids brought in something that they loved and then got to share at their table. What do they love about this? How did this come into their life? What do they love? But the kids, rather than being like, all right, well, let me tell you about my stuff, curiosity. And so they got to just ask questions and ask questions. So that was the first part of the class. The second part of the class was a gratitude-based scavenger hunt. And so they had a piece of paper with the five different senses written on it. And it was go outside and find something that you love to match each of the five senses. And then they came back into class, put it all on a board. And that was the foundation that would become art projects. That was the foundation of what they would turn into stories that they'd want to tell. So then I started to share that with a group of teachers. Actually, I went and gave a, a talk to a group of teachers. They're training to become teachers. And so they took that to designing curriculum of, all right, well, what if you had this project-based art creation, this project-based discovery where we had students on this four-week discovery process. I'll get it, I can get into my new in a second, but they basically have four weeks of gratitude-based discovery. Go out and connect in the real world. What do you love and what you're curious about? And then two weeks to create a piece of art around that, that discovery process and then share it. And that four-week process, by the way, is intentionally going inward and then going outward. So at first, you're, you're just connecting and, and going inward. And how are you feeling? Grounding in that gratitude. The second is making a plan, a gratitude-based curiosity plan to go out and discover. And then the third part is going and having those curiosity conversations or that research, that connecting. And then the fourth part is just celebrate wherever you're at. Celebrate whatever you discovered in that process and then use the next two weeks to create based upon that. We've taken that model and then apply that to finding an internship. So one of the students was like, I really, you know, I don't have time for a club. I really just need to find this internship. And we're like, all right, how can we, how can we do that? And so they're embarking on a four week discovery process where who can we learn from? And you have all these teachers and she, she's in, in specifically looking for a science-based research project, a hands-on science project. 
And I was like, well, what teachers at your schools are, or administrators are in the science space that might be interested in this stuff too? She's like, well, this one and that one. And I was like, well, what would happen if you reached out to them and was like, thank you. Like I've been looking for this stuff. Like, thank you for doing what you're doing. It was such a relief to know that you're here. I'm curious, are you aware of any of this stuff? And use that as your entry point for discovering opportunities. Because she was asking me to look for stuff. And I was like, you know, your local, like the people in your local area know your local area way better than me halfway around the world. Like I could put out an APB to my network, but how do you connect locally with gratitude and curiosity? And so we also applied this to an international group of citizens who all have this yearning, you know, they're for a better food system. And so it's kind of a shared interest of soil health or nutrition. And it's, and it's a nonprofit called Farmer's Footprint around regenerative agriculture. And so this community, it's filled with citizens who yearn for this more beautiful food system. But rather than looking for problems everywhere, the program is citizens are initiating these curiosity conversations with restaurants, farmers, cafeteria workers, neighbors, family members, and they're getting out in the real world making connections, but they're not telling people what to change. Instead, they're reaching out with that genuine gratitude and curiosity. They're opening that flow of communication and they're laying that foundation of relationships and, and creating the opportunity for, for all of us to evolve together. And so, because otherwise we're just a bunch of strangers that are telling people what to do because we know better. We watch this documentary and you need to do the thing that's better. Um, but instead with the gratitude based approach, they're getting to understand one another, what people love about things today, discover what's needed to expand on that and that wholeness of what's already in the ecosystem. And, and it just, it's a very different perspective of how this is coming into play. It's, I know it's kind of a smorgasbord of different things, but that's intentional. <laughs> I, 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 I can see that I have a, uh, at least a three credit course coming <laughs> as I, as I unpack the pieces you've laid out here and, and, and figure out how I, uh, how, how I want to put them together. And, uh, when I get through that, I, I, I want to, I want to bring you back on because then we'll have another set of questions and, and you'll be, you'll be able to assist us. But I, I, I am, I am walking away from, from this first one with, uh, an unbelievable set of connections I'm making to the work in coaching and the pieces were there, but for me, you've put them together in a, uh, in, in a different way. And uh, that, that's going to lead to my learning. So a ton of gratitude to you, sir. Thank you. This is the, the beautiful thing about all this. None of this happens if it took me a year to write the article. Like I wrote the article a year before you saw it because it took me a year for, be, for me to accept that like, this is kind of weird, kind of different. Just put it out there. And it, then it took you to say something in your gut said, I'm going to reach out. And so if we're just kind of isolated in our own worlds, doing our own thing, passion and that possibility doesn't happen. And yeah. so it takes that listening to your gut and saying, I'm just going to go do this. Yep. And so you reaching out to me and then you actually, this isn't all me. You actually wrote an article about gratitude. This is before <laughs> we discovered this. You wrote an article about gratitude separately because you had reached out and connected on leading with love. I read the gratitude piece and I was like, we need to touch base again. And so just you following your path and doing the thing that lights you up and not doing it in a silo, but, but sharing that light. That's, that's my hope. And we'll get into hopes for the future here, but I mean, that's my hope for anyone listening too, is that 
this isn't just like a Adam's running with this thing. It's I'm hoping that this inspires you to take this and make this your own. But then my hope is that you're not just going to isolate on your own, that I'm not going to just isolate on my own to kind of go to nature. Like it's like spores of a mushroom where it spreads in ways you can't even imagine. It's literally uncontrolled spread. But the beauty of mushrooms is we might see these bulbs on the top, but underground there's this connective network of mycelium where you're sharing information and resources. And so my hope is that we're actually connecting and collaborating because otherwise I would have no idea that all these, all these different avenues are popping up because of these seeds, because of gratitude-based learning. And it's impossible for me to imagine all the different ways it will unfold. That's, that's up to you to, to figure out what, what is going to imagine in your space but it's it only go it, the possibility is limited if we're doing it in a silo versus collaborating and and actually sharing. So my hope is that we actually are creating this network of sharing that is going to change education for for all of us. Adam, I think that's a uh, I think that's a great spot for us to uh, pull this this podcast to a, a close and share with people how they can uh, uh, connect with you and. Yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, it is as I work through this, I'd, I'd like to set up a, a, a part two, and uh, and 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 pick it up, kind of where where we're leaving this one off. Uh, I would love that exploring where we might might go next with it. Yeah. So the best way to get in touch with me is Adam at onoraglobal.com. So O N O R A global.com. But I do want to put one thing out there before we do close this off. Cause I actually, I know I shared kind of my, my vision of things. I actually put it out there to teachers, to students, to, to see what other, what, what the vision that other people have for this. And I, if it's all right, I'd love to put that out there. What, what some people said go of, ahead. of where, where they'd like to see this go just for some food for thought. So, you know, one area was just empowering this deeper connection and shared understanding. So Rona had shared, wouldn't it be amazing if we had history classes where you talk with your family and classmates and community members and where you learn from your family's history, where you learn from what happened in history to help us get to this exact moment we're in right now. And I actually tried that out asking my grandparents at dinner. I was like, I just love getting to eat dinner with you guys. If, if X hadn't happened in history, we would not be here right now getting to enjoy this meal together. And my grandpa was like, oh, easily. Rene Levesque, the separatist movement in Quebec. What are you talking about? And then unfolded into this history lesson. Sydney, Sydney brought up, I would say, you know, creating personal connections that that could be taking a tour of the school's cafeteria, maybe trying to make a meal for the school day along with the kitchen staff and getting to know them, helping to clean up after school with the janitors or taking a field trip and having people come to schools to explain what they do and how it helps the community. I think that creating the personal connections and putting faces to the different aspects that you're focusing on helps in understanding the impact work and people behind everything and will create deeper lasting gratitude because of that. And Patty shared, wouldn't it be great if people or students knew a farmer's schedule and how much time their life is devoted to bringing food to our life? What about seniors working with young people to learn how to compost their foods and dispose of their lawn debris into being recycled? And then there's two other areas that were just like, wow. So the second area is empowering us all to be students and lifelong learners. Leah said, the coolest thing about this is that it opens the door for you to learn new perspectives and create new connections with people, which inspires you to learn more. With the school curriculum now, there's kind of just one right answer. 
and one correct path. And with this new approach, you kind of choose the path and all are correct. And I, and I, I was like, wow, all right, this one came on a phone call. And I was like, so in five years, what do you, what do you hope this looks like? And she said, I think specifically in five years, if this was being used, it would be this cool shift into a more modern era. Everyone kind of says that our generation has to make all these changes in the world and fix our future and all of these pressures that our generation has. This new approach would create more opportunities and people would actually feel empowered to make a difference. And then a uh, homeschool teacher said, I love it because kids are interested in what's being discovered rather than telling them when they're supposed to learn something, not what, but when they're supposed to learn something. And she's like, I'm thinking of just post it, doing a daily posting of what we learned today. And the, and the last piece here that came up was it's empowering new possibilities to unfold that didn't exist before. And so Dan brought up, wouldn't it be wonderful if creativity played a larger role in our education, not just problem solving or learning about history or what has already been discovered, but training ourselves to be courageous enough to tune into what's not known and revealing itself and inviting us to engage with it. Amanda, and this is powerful, brought up, wouldn't it be amazing if this frame of thinking was adopted universally? You know how many wars we'd avoid? Seriously, wars aren't started out of love. Those are all actions derived from a fear-based mentality. And then and lastly here is Owen. I'm getting chills here is, is, you know, think about the international community that we can be reaching. I think it's important to note that gratitude-based learning creates a sense of transnational solidarity in the midst of an intergenerational environmental crisis. Gratitude-based learning allows for open conversation about these issues. It allows a larger swath of diverse people to become involved in dissent. Internationalism is necessary, but it must be led by gratitude because stereotypes, misunderstandings, and complex histories are at play. And so, you know, my hope just to talk, like, wrap, like wrap it together is, like I said, the spores of the mushroom, I want to see this applied in so many different ways to meet up and share with one another and have this hyper-connectivity locally that's sharing that wisdom and experience globally and and. Very tactically, I, I do think if we have this systems thinking and innovation class in schools all over the world, wouldn't it be amazing if all of the schools that are doing this locally in the city meet up to connect and share insights? And wouldn't it be even more amazing if then you had regional and then globally we had these convenings where we're connecting and having this insights exchange? And it's just, I became a parent for the first time two months ago. And knowing that this is possible. It's not like just some idea of, oh, the future could be better. It's, it's right here to do. The hardest part about this, though, I will say it's because this was all exciting stuff. The hardest part about this is that friction comes up when you're doing anything new. Like this sounds good in theory, you put it into practice and it's like, ah, this feels off. This doesn't work. And Typically, when that friction happens, like we run away from it, like this is let's no bad, scary. But the people that have said, I'm going to be a pioneer and not run away from the friction, I'm going to sit with that and sit in community with that together. That's made this all possible. Um, And so there's just, I mean, more names to think, but like there's just there's teachers, there's colleagues, there's partners, there's the students, even my parents, like my wife. It's just a lot of a whole lot of people that have made it okay to sit with the friction together and said, I'm going to sit in that friction with you because otherwise we're just all individual, like kind of crazy people hoping for this better future. And it's like, am I the only one? Second, you reach out and connect with someone. It's like, no, we're, we're doing this together. 
And so I, I really do hope people reach out to you, reach out to me, reach out to anyone that's like, here's this. And it's like, hey, how can we do something? Like, let's take this and do something about it. I want as much of that to happen. Well, let's do, let's do this. So number one, go ahead and repeat for folks how to uh, connect with you. And as, as I hear from folks, let's use this as, as the footing to, to do an, uh, a follow-up podcast and actually start it with several of those comments that you've uh, just shared with us here. I, I know people are going to go off thinking about those and uh, I'm pretty sure this is a podcast. People are going to want to rewind and uh, at least listen to parts uh, a, a, a second time. Yeah. So email Adam, A-D-A-M at onoraglobal.com. That's O-N-O-R-A global.com. And for people that do ask, what does Onora even mean? So Onora is actually part of Greta Thunberg's middle name, Eleonora. So me and you would not be having this conversation whatsoever if she didn't speak her truth. And people can say anything about, oh, I agree with this. I don't agree with that. The reality is, is she did not intend to wake up Adam halfway around the world. He was giving an intentional speech to a group of legislators. And I happened to watch that video halfway around the world, led to this whole windy journey we're talking about. And so what we're trying to do with Onora is help us all realize how deeply connected we are that everything creates ripple effects. And you might have all these intentions, but there's an unintended ripple effect to everything we do. And so the more connected we're getting, the more we have those feedback loops, the more we we can build on that positive and create as many positive ripple effects as possible. So we'll call this podcast, the ripple. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks so, so much, Adam. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to Steve Barkley Ponders Out Loud on iTunes and Podbean. And please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. I also want to hear what you're pondering. You can find me on Twitter at Steve Barkley or send me your questions and find my videos and blogs at BarkleyPD.com.